0: this is brian from the back of charlotte and if you want to leverage your message to gain a deeper influence and build a lasting legacy you should be listening to stories that sell with my good friend scott
1: ramage You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper interest. And build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. In this episode, I sit down and chat with Brian Strump, owner of Live Active Charlotte. This is a great conversation. You'll want to tune in. Hey, before we get started, imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more vas for gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R, gyms.com, and book an appointment to find out more. What's up, Brian? How are you doing? Good, how are you, Scott? I'm doing well. Welcome to the show, man. Thank
0: you. Appreciate
1: it. Well, it's going to be fun. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about your story, and uh, I just get an absolute thrill out of hearing where people come from. And we've talked before. We've known each other for a bit. We've podcasted before, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna rewind. So let's do this. What let's let's hear about Brian?
0: Yeah. Um, So. I currently I'm 43 and living in uh, Fort Mill, South Carolina, a suburb just over the border of, of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I grew up in uh, on Long Island in New York. <coughs> Spent the first half of my life there. Uh, I got one brother. He's three years younger than me. I've got a stepbrother that's a little older. I've got a stepsister that's a little younger. And my youngest is a half sister. That's like my dad and my stepmom kid. She's ten years younger. She's thirty three. Um, she's the only one that has left the country. She currently lives in Australia. Actually, okay. been there for the last couple of years. My um, parents got divorced when I was four. Uh, so my brother was one. With my uh, yeah, I was four. My brother was one. And then kind of just grew up like I don't want to say a regular kid, but you know, most of my friends just kind of planned. I played soccer mostly um, in, in high school. I played football and I played soccer for like a travel team, but like football for like my high school. I was a goalie. I really, really enjoyed playing soccer. And like, I had, I feel like I always had, you know, part of this is like how I became to now 43 years old. I like think I had a lot of really great uh, coaches that like taught us lessons, but had fun. Kind of through, Throughout my time playing playing soccer and playing football, um, I went to uh, University of Stony Brook, which is on the Island as well, Suffolk County, about an hour away from where I grew up um, in East Meadow. And when I went to college, I wanted to I thought I was going to do like physical therapy. That was kind of so I was taking you know biology courses and I. There was a part of me that wanted to be like a homicide detective
1: you know <laughs> that's awesome
0: and but <clears throat> at that point and i don't know if it's still the case you needed to become a police officer you couldn't just like magically work homicides <laughs> so i thought that was the cool part i didn't want to become a police officer so um you know i took a lot of like uh, social psychology and social deviance classes so maybe that's why now i watch and read a lot of uh, real life uh, serial killer and stuff like that just because of their, uh, their mind and how they think and that psychology and stuff is super intriguing to me still. Um, but yeah, so I went to college there. I I was thinking about doing physical therapy. Um, if I rewind back you know, a couple of years before that, my mom, after my parents got divorced, she had a, uh, she had a boyfriend for many, many you know, decades. He was a chiropractor. And he would kind of treat me and I never really knew much about it except for that he was going to adjust my neck and just my back. And, and I seemed to be healthier. I never really got sick or injured playing, playing sports. And at the time, this was like 1998. Uh, you couldn't just open up your own physical therapy office. You had to like work under an uh, orthopedist. So you can just open up, you can just like open up and put up a shingle and, and be like, hey, I'm a I'm a physical therapist. There was no doctor of physical therapy at that point back then. Um, so I was like, oh, maybe I'll do, maybe I'll go to become a chiropractor. It's like virtually safe. Not to the public, but like what I'm working on and what we're trying to accomplish is the same thing. So I did that. I graduated school. I moved, I started school in Atlanta. Georgia in 2000, no, maybe, maybe 2000, 1999. And I started doing like the chiropractic school there. That's about um, four years, four more years of school. So then I uh, did that, that was fun. I ended up transferring midway to a school called Logan Chiropractic College in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, that was my first time realizing like what the rest of the country was like kind of grew up on the island in New York, and we would go to the city with my dad for work every now and then. And I don't know. I guess I just thought everything was like that, crammed with people and high buildings and lights and noise and smells of food everywhere you went. Uh, and then when I went to Atlanta, you know, not as much. but still kind of a city, but St. Louis was like the first. I saw a lot of green and a lot of land, and I was like, oh, this what the rest of this part of it looks like. So I graduated from chiropractic school in 2003. Uh, 1999 or 2000, I met my wife at chiropractic school. Um, We moved together to St. Louis. Uh, We graduated in 2003 and then both of us um, we started to work in doctor's offices in Cleveland, Ohio. We found a a guy that was looking to hire some doctors, he had a number of businesses. And neither either of us have been to Ohio. She's from Florida. I'm from New York. Um we have two offices downtown in of Cleveland. It's awesome. If you're listening, and you've never been to Cleveland. Everybody hates telling it, but it's an amazing city. I would go back there if it didn't snow like eight months out of the year.
1: Right. Yeah. You
0: know, uh really, really fun town. The people are great. I like old cities like New York so Cleveland was I like that. The people were great. We were downtown. So it was just after LeBron James came so there's a lot of people excited about that, That the Indians were in the playoffs every year. The Browns still suck, but the fans were great. So that just kind of makes the whole, I feel like good sports could really, really make, make a city come together. So it was awesome. We met great friends that we still talk to often in Cleveland. Um, so, so we, we, we did that. We got married. I, this one up. I think we were married in like 2005 or six uh my, my, my wife and i got married and in 2007 <clears throat> this is probably a big definitely a big turning point for our life in 2007 we were married for maybe a year and a half and i'll never forget she came in and said hey uh, i want to move hmm. and i was like all right to the suburbs you know we were downtown in the city she said, no, like, it, where it's warmer Okay. Uh, We had great jobs, like making, we were 25, 26, 27 years old, making plenty of money, had no nothing to worry about. Um, And we had a great condo downtown that we owned. And I was like, okay, where do you want to move? She's like, I don't know anywhere, but it needs to be warm. So I would, so we agreed, this was 2007. We agreed that we wouldn't move to New York. We wouldn't move to Atlanta. And we wouldn't move to Florida. <coughs> and we took out like a globe, we're like where do we go? So we looked at something for, for a minute, we're like, maybe we'll go to Spain. So that was <laughs> that, was short of it. So like, maybe we'll go to California, San Diego, maybe we'll go to Dallas or Houston, Texas. Um, we looked at Las Cruces, New Mexico. I don't know if you're really sure why, but uh, we looked there. I Kind of had my heart set on Washington D.C. I thought that was a good middle range between mm-hmm. us. Still a little cold for her, and in hindsight, I'm glad we didn't settle there. Um, and then she's like, "How about North Carolina?" I don't know. Yeah, maybe let's go check it out. So uh, we took three road trips. We went to Wilmington, which is by the beach. I'm not really a beach guy. I just did it to humor her. There's no way I was going go to live in Wilmington. We went to Raleigh. For a couple of days, and that reminded me a lot of where I grew up on Long Island. Mm, nothing special. And then we came to Charlotte, and it was cool. They had a big stadium for sports. A big buildings. I mean, seven big buildings. You know. But so um, it's got sports. It's got some other stuff. Maybe this would be a good place. So we came down and checked it out again. And then we decided that we were gonna move here. That was like 2007. Uh, the problem was that we didn't know a single person here or we didn't have jobs. We were saving up money, but, um, that was about, that was about it, you know? And I really enjoyed Cleveland. So we agreed. It definitely took a little bit more. She was ready to go. Like she probably wouldn't have left me to just come to North Carolina.
1: She made her decision. She yeah, was like,
0: she was, yeah, she was like yeah. Yeah, I hope we come with me, Brian. So, um, so I get, I was scared. Like I had no, I'm, I take more and more risks now, but then I was super happy and comfortable. So, uh, we quit our jobs. We put in our notices and look, we'll work until you replace us in the doctor's offices. And then we're moving and we don't know what we're doing, but we're moving. So we didn't have jobs. We didn't know anybody. Um, we paid $3,000 for a month to stay in a furnished apartment. And we kind of like, it was like you retire. We played tennis, we exercised, we swam. And then, okay, well we need to, we can't retire at 28 and have no money. So we need to do something. And uh, we had a couple of different contacts. And I had this, I walked into a gym one day and I was like, hey, <clears throat> I'm a chiropractor maybe i could open up an office in here and this guy was like um well actually we were working with a business that's putting a chiropractor in this in this gym so maybe you can contact them keep in mind we moved to a new state we didn't know anybody we didn't have any jobs we had very limited time because i didn't want to spend like three thousand dollars living the first apartment for a month so i spoke to this guy two guys from long island uh, Smooth talkers, but like we kind of got a lot. We had that kind of together. Uh, totally different from my last boss. My last boss that we worked in when we were in, in Cleveland was like a brilliant, brilliant businessman and ran 50 offices, had a jet, like super successful. And I learned a lot from him. So these two guys were like, in their infancy when i first started working with them but growing and you know so i was like "I'll oh, take five so long story short we both started working with these guys this was 2008 where they were giving houses to anybody that breathed yeah so, used to, so there used to be this thing called a no documentation loan where you could write on a piece of paper how much money you probably make and send it to the bank and then they'll give you a loan that's exactly what we did so um we bought a house for $203,000. We had no money. I mean, we had no no jobs, but my boss said, I was like, just write down that we'll make $75,000. I don't know if it really matters, but he sent in a letter that said, hey, they're going to start working and they'll get paid. So we got this house, we got these jobs, and we started, started working. Um, my, my, my gym was, in, my office was inside a, a gym, similar like the old gym, it was called Peak Fitness in mm-hmm. Charlotte, North Carolina. Maybe there's franchises elsewhere. <clears throat> and I just didn't like it, but, um, it started to get me back into fitness and exercise. So there was a gap when I was in chiropractic kind of school that I wasn't doing that as much. I was still active, but not like fitness exercise stuff. Like, I was playing sports you know, soccer and football from when I was probably 5 to when I was 21. And then at chiropractic school, I just kind of, like, stopped it. So for those four years, I lost it. And we went back into the gym. And then when I was at Cleveland, I just ate and drank, like, and worked. We didn't do anything. You now So when I got back in the gym, I was like, okay, I'm exercising again. And this was fun. But I just didn't, like, it was a total 180 from the company that I worked for before. Like a super... uh my first guy had all this stuff together. It was like a well oiled machine. These guys would just weren't there yet. They were just kind of growing, going through growing pains. And I didn't, I didn't love it. So I, I remember in 2007, eight, like when that first six months, one of the other doctors that was part of this group was like, um, you should go try this gym. It's called CrossFit Charlotte. Uh, two of my patients, uh, their names Spencer Hendel, and Andy Hendel own this gym. And, I was like, okay. and it happened to be a like, 10 minutes down the road for me. So I went down there and I went in the gym and I really enjoyed it. Like I mean, I didn't finish the workout. It was like filthy fifty or something, you know, just a lot uh, of so whatever, right? I mean, there's no modifying I and mean, there's no nothing but it's like here's a barbell, here's a medicine ball, go. It was it dirty, dingy, not well lit warehouse? No. And um, but I really like it. So I kept going back and took going back maybe 18 months or so later. I tried to, I was getting ready to think about leaving this, this office that I was leaving and I was talking to the owner of CrossFit Charlotte and I was like, Hey, okay, listen, uh, I'd love to, um, I'm looking to open up a new office. I think this could be a good fit here. And we just couldn't agree on a few things. So it never went down. but I remember. Knowing and like almost making the decision like okay, I'm at least getting out of this place now. You know, so this place now I've been working for 18 months, not making much money. Um just moved still, you we know, had some friends, we still didn't really know too many people. And I told my wife, I said, hey, listen, I think I want to close up this office and start my own and have a gym in the back. I was like, you know, it's like the kind of what I'm going to is CrossFit. She goes, oh, like the, in the warehouse? I was like, I don't know, maybe we have a space that has a doctor's office in the front and some space in the back. And I mean, honestly, Lisa, the worst thing that can happen is if the gym fails, we'll have some gym equipment and maybe we'll never have to pay for a gym membership again, but like that was legit my argument. Like that was it, you know, and maybe, <laughs> maybe she felt bad because I picked up and left Ohio to come to North Carolina uh, and she's like, all right, how are you going to do this? I don't, I don't really know. Uh, so I started kind of researching equipment and getting your affiliate and money like to get like doctor's equipment and extra machine, tables, all that stuff. So I, uh, I put in my notice in June of 2009 and I probably worked for another month until they, you know, replaced me with somebody else, and I could train the the new guy that was coming in. And then I took probably that four months that I wasn't doing anything. And in 2010, like we've been affiliated since 2009, in 2010, April 2010 was the first month that we started collecting uh, money from people for exercise and the doctor's office. When we first opened there in 2010, we had uh, 1,600 square feet in the doctor's office. We had 1,600 square feet in the in the gym, and really, to be honest, i I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But we we opened it, and it kind of was was growing. And I really thought, you know, if if the gym could just make money to pay the pay the rent, mm-hmm. pay the mortgage, and the doctor's office did everything else. Um, that would be a pretty great life. Uh, and we just kind of kept growing and growing. And we cut a hole in the wall into a unit next to us after 18 months with got dot for the gym. And then we had to fill in those holes when a neighbor came in. And then we rented out the other, we were at like an end cap of a, you know, let's say five units. We rented out the other end cap. That was fifteen thousand square feet. My name was like, oh. tempor- like was just temporarily. It was two stories. It wasn't something we could move into long term. But we needed more room, so I had like these two spaces. One area had pull up bars and barbells. The other one was just space. So six a.m. would roll the barbells and stuff down two hundred meters, and oh. then six thirty p.m. would roll it back. And if it rained, we just left shit everywhere. Um, it was it was fun because it was two thousand and eleven. Now. Nobody's going to that gym. You know, just from the times of change, just and conflict, there was not a gym within 25 minutes of us. Wow. Um, and so in 2012, we um we broke our lease and we moved in 2012. We uh broke our lease in 2012 and um moved into this new space that was way too big for us, but we got a good deal. It was a uh, 12,000 square feet. is where we currently are, 12,000 square feet. There's uh, 2,000 square feet in the front and 10,000 square feet in the, in the back. And um, it's, it was, it was, it's been really great when we moved in uh, February 4th of 2012. I, I know the date for a couple of reasons. Number one, it was, the week, it was the weekend. Well, I should say number one, my daughter was born seven weeks premature on February 2nd. Oh, wow. The Thursday before we were supposed to move on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I was coaching, and my wife called me and said, Hey Brian, uh, I'm gonna go to the doctor. There's not feeling I'm feeling okay, but I'm just gonna go to the doctor just to check out. I never knew this is our first golden kid, I never knew that you know, women have a, a bag, you know, that like if you go to the hospital, you have a bag, so you're ready. Um I was like, okay, you know, I mean I had phone people, I had carpet people, I had contractors, like if there was a day that I had so much crap to do, it was those days. So I was like, all right, she's like, well, you know, do you want to maybe meet me? You know. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let me see if I can get somebody to cover this this coaching class and whatever. So we go to the doctor and we go she goes to we go to the, her OB and um, they do the ultrasound. We're sitting there, I've got a, I've got a very um, obsessive, compulsive kind of mind. So I'm just thinking of all these things, I'm like talking to myself, of all this have to do get the carpet guy, the contract with the phone, to, 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 to Monday, we need to be ready. How are you going to be ready? Um, the nurse says, I gotta go get the doctor. She goes to get the doctor. The doctor comes in, he does his thing, he says, your five, your five centimeters dilated. I was like, "All right, cool. At least I'm going to go run to get, meet the carpet guy and do the phones." And and I'm like, "I'm talking," and he's like, "Okay, I'm going to call the hospital now, and I won't be able to deliver the baby, but um, you'll be in good hands." And I was like, "I don't think he heard me." <laughs> I still have to meet the carpet guy I still have to meet the contracts so with the phone guy, and like we drove right to the hospital, and uh, we got to the hospital. They didn't have anything ready, nothing. The nurse comes in she does her thing and checks her She's like You're nine centimeters." i don't even know what these like nine centimeters are. So like, i cool. like now can i go to you know, like, i had no idea and <laughs> you were clueless so, man. So, so, so next thing we know like she's in labor like we had a baby in two two hours after we were at the obstetrician's office like we easily could have had this baby in the car yeah right so Long story short, we move in. I tell all the people that were there, hey, guys, I got a truck. I got a new boy that was seven weeks premature at four pounds. so it going to be in the NICU for a little while. I'll come and help you every now and then. And that's what I did. These people were amazing. They moved everything, set things up, did all this stuff. The other reason why I know it was uh, the weekend was the Giants beat the uh, Patriots in the Super Bowl on Sunday, February 4th, uh, 2012. So those were the two i, I uh, those are two things that i remember when, when we moved into that location um my daughter yes yeah, so she was born four weeks she was born seven weeks premature she was four pounds um moved into this new space and um it's just been a whirlwind you know now 10 years later 12 years later um the doctor's office not not an afterthought right but the, the gym has created relationships and learning experiences that I never would have like I literally told my wife if it fails we'll at least have some equipment that we don't a gym membership yeah literally, literally so this is the thing that's taken me all over the world speaking to people all over the world you know creating jobs for people that I never would have been able to create in a doctor's office creating opportunities to help. Many, many more people than I would have been able to create in a doctor's office. Um, Probably the reason why we're talking now. So I think of, I'm not really a big like, oh, you know, if this didn't happen or what, or how did this happen and where does this lead me? But yeah, if like this guy didn't say you should go try this gym, would I ever found it? What I'd be doing, what I'm doing now? And the great majority of the people that I, like, know, love, respect, are all from my relationships that I've started from the gym, you know? And, uh you no know, in that time, we've looked at buying land, we've looked at building, we've put in offers on buildings or land, and we've never kind of come with something yet. So, you know, right now, where it's just now, I've got five years left of a lease, and we just keep looking. You know, if, if I find something great, if I don't, I'm at the point now where I, I don't, with everything that I've learned and opportunities, I don't think of like, oh, when would I retire or stop working? I really, really enjoy what I'm doing now. You know, my days now is probably 15 hours a week treating patients, so that's probably a pretty part time. Um, I've been doing it for 18 years, so I'm, I'm kind of getting over it. but. I don't feel new like that for the for the gym because there's so many more opportunities to talk to people and meet people and do this stuff. That I and then you know what what it's open from there is just like business ownership, entrepreneurship, mentorship, and those those things. I never really can imagine if I don't have a a a, a calendar that says when I turn 55 or when I turn 65. You know when I speak to financial advisors, oh, when do you want to retire? It's like I honestly. I'll be bored out of my mind. I can't imagine just not doing
1: anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have that conversation with people all the time. It's like, I don't have a date that I'm pulling the plug. Like I, I there's a desire to maybe work less during the week, but I would go crazy. And it's, yeah. it's, it's really fun talking to other entrepreneurs because that really tends to be a very common thread. It's like, I don't really want to retire. I just want to like maybe shift a little bit in the way I'm operating.
0: Yeah. So I think like now part of the reason why I, I probably don't enjoy the doctor's office as much is because it's confining to me and right? I, we have another doctor that's there now. It's been working for two years. It's doing good and growing, um, which will also, you know, bring still bring huge value to you know, his clients for sure, but you know, the, the gym as well. But for me, when I, when I said I want to be a chiropractor, I want to help people to like, get them out of pain and get them moving better and just be healthier. And I could do that on a much greater scale with a lot more freedom in a gym with a lot less like crap to deal with. Um, licensure things I could say, you know, a, a lot of things I could say and do, which is a lot more freedom in a gym and people are a lot less uptight and it's fun. Like, uh, people are not particularly loving coming to the chiropractor. Yeah, it might feel good. but like majority of them probably have some kind of issue that they're not thrilled about right and um so i feel like now i don't have to be confined to the gym i probably work you know 10 to 15 hours a week on the gym but i could do that anyway you know i'm right. there a lot i go there a lot because our team is awesome a lot you know i really enjoy the, the members and taking classes and you know we have a team of ten right now, and with the exception of the two newest hires, they've been around with me in some capacity for four to eleven years. So these are my closest people that I'm with now, and I realize that that's pretty uncommon in you know in a work environment to one have people around for that long, and to enjoy the people that you're around for that long.
1: Yeah, it's um, pretty pretty uh pretty unique, really.
0: Yeah, so. I just go and hang out with my friends. Yeah, it's working. we have to, you know, hire and fire people and have beautiful conversations, which I'm never enjoying. We'll always work to get better at those. But yeah, at the end of the day, the majority of time we're smiling, high fiving, and sweating a little bit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you. I want to go back quite a bit. You said something really early in the story about, um, physical therapy. And at that point you wanted to do physical therapy, but you couldn't hang the shingle. Mm. And, um, so do you feel like you had kind of this business mindset from very early on? Because you kind of alluded to some, some things about not being in a work rela- work. It's <coughs> interesting
0: that you said that because I never thought about it that way. And I was just thinking the other day, I don't know how how this popped into my head, but I remember hearing about, like, our entrepreneurs or leaders like born or is it like nature versus nurture, right? Um, so, yeah, when, when you put it that way, I, I never really thought about it. And as an adult, you know, I never really had a a typical job, right? When I worked as a chiropractor, ever since I was an adult, you know, I would, I'm delivering pizzas or doing whatever as a kid. But... In college, I didn't work and really went to practice school. I just do whatever I needed to have some money to spend for the weekends. But I never did a job where it wasn't based on like my production of what I did. And yeah, I guess I yeah, I always respected authority, but I didn't, but I would question it, you know, and working for somebody never really was something that i was feeling. like i enjoyed my work as a kid when i was 16 17 18 years old delivering pizza putzing around like it didn't really matter like it'd be fine right. like, right, thank god I right <laughs> my friends now but i never had it where i needed to. if i lost my job i was going to pay, pay my bills because i you know school loans and whatever else i had you know i always had something in, until i moved to north carolina with my wife and I was like oh well, okay she just got real <laughs> you know i got right I do something. But yeah, so um, I never thought about that way when you put with not wanting to open up my own and not wanting to work for somebody. But yeah, maybe my my mom always worked for somebody. um, But my dad, And I didn't really even put two and two together until I got older. um, My dad always had his, maybe not always, but as long as I can remember, worked for himself.
1: Yeah, that seems to be pretty common. I mean, not all entrepreneurs come from like some line of somebody doing that. I mean, my dad owned his biz- own business for uh, 50 years or something ridiculous like that. And that's all I knew. I mean, it, it's all I knew. And I still went and worked in a system. I was an educator, but I was <laughs> never at peace with it, never. I think it's just something ingrained and in, maybe ingrained a little bit in an entrepreneur from very early, a lot of times. But you also said something that, uh, that I think is also a common thread is this set questioning authority uh, right. where we get to we get to create the rules uh, on the basis of how we see and believe the world functions as entrepreneurs. So um, do you feel did owning your own business kind of like, did it feel like you were liberated? Like you, like, how did it, what's the motivation? So
0: now is different. When I first started, I was like, okay, I could, I don't know what I'm doing, but I do know that if this thing goes south, I know who's to blame, mm-hmm. and that would be me. And that's kind of what I liked. Um, or sc- you know, scared and frightening, and, and all those things. Like that's kind of where I, where I wanted to be. Um, now, I think I look at it more as you know, my goal is to almost like i'm working for the people that i work with now and everything that i do is to make you know the business has to grow because we all need to be taken care of um and then second is my staff like they need to be taken care of they need to be able to support their families or whatever it is that they need to get out from this business so like you know I feel like a, a, a strong need to make it grow and continue, because even like when COVID, you know, COVID happened last year, it's like, you know, for all they knew they were gonna be out of jobs overnight, you know, and like, that was what made it hard. I knew I would be able to figure out and find a way to make, not that I had have, have piles of money to, to pull from, but more that like, I knew I could figure out a solution to somebody's problem and create a way for me to make money yeah but uh, these people that work with us in the gym and have worked with us for a while and this was their only source of income to support a family or help support a family with their spouse it's like okay we really need to get our stuff together you know yeah. and so i think that was part of it and without a doubt the biggest piece of it was like my daughter being born i knew my wife is probably similarly dope as to me that she could have figured it out, and she would have put together a lemonade stand and make some money to pay the rent. Right? But having a helpless kid, right, is like that is, that's the game. I don't know how many times I've told people, you know, I'm not telling you to go have a kid, but if if you need a fire lit under your ass to get some stuff done, like that's. That'll do it, you know. I, clearly, it doesn't help with everybody, right? Because we all know people and parents, or people that had kids, that nothing really changed or it got worse for them. But for but for me, that was the thing that was like, okay, like we got to make this work. And then it comes back to that time piece. I'm like, yeah, now I want the time to be able to do whatever I want with her. And when she says, "Dad, let's go kick the ball around." I don't know if they say I gotta work till 7 PM and then I gotta work three more hours when I get home and then I can't take you to school and I can't see you dance whatever. Like I can do it I can do whatever I want. And like for the reason every once in a while I got some things that I gotta do right? Um and I don't go to everything, but I have a lot of freedom to be able to do those things because of what we've created because of what we've kind of created. And that's that's what drives me now is the, the freedom to do something where people are working and the people that are working for me are have meaningful work and they enjoy it and they're not just working for a paycheck and they feel like they're making an impact and they're not like oh Brian was just traveling like yeah but but they really enjoy what, at least what I see and how they're putting in the effort into work. They're really enjoying the changes that they're making. Like, we're not. We're not. You know, we're not. Whatever. Maybe it's doing taxes. We're not doing. I'm not a CPA firm. I'm not something. Maybe you don't feel like you're really impacting somebody. I'm not selling tires at the tire shop or whatever it is. Um, so they feel like you know helping somebody with their health, their mental health, their physical health, they, You know, the people that are here really enjoy it so my ability to keep it running and to keep it growing and to and to expand it is what what keeps me here working hard to kind of do it rather than just coasting as i want to do sometimes when i get comfortable
1: there's a really great purpose there's a big purpose involved that's wrapped into what you do you're literally changing lives so yeah and I also agree with the the child thing. I mean, when you first said that, I was kind of thinking, mm, I don't know. But, but then I thought about, okay, I started my first business right after my first son was born, and I've heard this over and over and over again, where people start businesses after their kids are born, because it's it's you've got this thing now you're responsible for, and just coasting isn't going to give you what you want. It's kind of the way I always viewed it. Yeah. And, and I, it's a, it's a very common thread, a very common thread I'm finding among entrepreneurs is they're very motivated by when they, when they bring a life into the world, it's like, okay, now this gets real.
0: Yeah. And it probably even made me, not probably, it definitely made me better at everything that I do now from that point of view, from yeah. you know, talking, caring, listening, empathy, you know, members that we've had members that have been with us to that way pre my daughter, and then, and they're still around, like, there's a huge, I mean, I mean, I feel it and I know it, but the fact that other people see it, and I'm probably better at everything that I do now, from lessons that I learned from having a kid, um, probably a daughter specifically, I mean, I don't I mean, I have a son, so I can't, but I would imagine having a daughter probably softens up a Father
1: a little bit more than having a son that I'm just always passing with and and with you know. Right, right. So I um, let's let's kind of transition now. You, you know, you've, you're not just a gym owner; you also mentor business owners, which is really cool. So, what has been like? Who are the most influential people in your business journey as you started to kind of level up your business? You, you said from early on, you, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, I did everything wrong what was the differentiator and in, in from where you were to where you are now outside of just regular experience
0: yeah i think um you know growing up you know it's probably a little cliche for like my parents i right? But like not necessarily what they taught taught me so much but, like i knew when i worked when somebody worked for me growing up i'd always hear my mom complain about her boss Losses, mm-hmm. not anymore. No, she but you know, yeah. Uh, you know, you know, uh, they don't. They're ungrateful. They don't uh, treat their employees well. Stuff like that, you know. So I always remember that in the back of my head. Like, okay, I don't want people that work with me to go home. That wow, mine is like you know, and and you hear all the time. You know, people don't leave a business for money. They leave it for like their supervisor or their boss. Right. Right. Yeah. So that always kind of like stuck in, in in my head. And I feel like having people that have been with us for so long, that's a I take a lot of pride in that, that of them doing something right and they're feeling respected and valued and taken care of that they've been there for a, a long time. You know. Um both of my uncles while well, well, we never really talked like business. In dollars and different things, they were clearly both had very, very successful businesses on the, on the East Coast. Um, just like seeing how they operated, not that I wanted to be like just like them, but I knew what if you ran a successful business, what what it could have been. Like what what you? I'm not a big things guy, you know, like buying crap and cars and and whatever. But um, I just saw. Like what hard work can can pay off to, to become. Then I probably had a couple of coaches playing sports that just kind of t- taught you just, I feel like just the lessons that team sports teaches you, you know, teamwork, camaraderie, working together. And when, when, when we talk to staff, it's usually like about that same thing, you know we're all part of either like a baseball team or i, I heard like an orchestra like we all might play you might not know how to play the, the clarinet and i might not know how to play the drums but that doesn't mean that i'm better or worse than you because when we all come together and we're playing out we're doing what, we're, what we know how to do right it makes beautiful music yeah so i kind of think of those things you know you, you mentioned the mentoring so i think like in the in the, in the business realm you know, I listen to a bunch of podcasts on you know learning and teaching and leadership but from like a one on one personal learning experience right like the mentoring that we do with chris cooper i've I've worked with him on both sides of either being mentored by or work with you know teaching with for the last eight years you know so that was definitely a, a huge, like the first personal one that I kind of continue to work with and have a relationship with and just what he does, what he strives for, the greater meaning of what they're trying to accomplish with entrepreneurship is also, you know, a great one. And that's paid, you know, huge dividends like in my entire life from, mm-hmm. from a leadership perspective, from our business and then the other opportunities that I'm afforded to from you know working with him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's a strong testament of the importance of a of a mentor, but also those people from the very beginning who formed the way that you view how things are done right or what the bigger goals can be. Um, I want to I want to ask you a question because I think uh, habits and um, routines and things are really important in the entrepreneurial world. Is there anything that you do like? consistently all the time or very regularly that you think everybody should do?
0: I mean, I read, so that's a habit, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Leadership, business, finance, talked at the very beginning about my wanting to become a homicide detective. So, you know, non-fiction, right? No, fiction. Oh, I always. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so the real stuff. I yeah yeah <laughs> and, uh, it's True story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So true story. And, uh, that, um, exercise is certainly an important habit, right? but I don't, I don't do, I started to create more in this last year. Right. Um, I'm, I'm very like, detail oriented. So I do, you know, I'm on a list person. So like, and make i'm not good at block scheduling something like oh yeah, this is what you do with block schedule. i tried that i was terrible at it i'm known a lot of people know that i've got sticky notes and that's what i do i make notes for myself and so you know most days i have a sticky note and that's how i prioritize my tasks you know i've got like the three things that have to get done i don't care if i'm up till five in the morning these three things are getting done no matter what and then I'll kind of chip down my list. Maybe I got a list of six things. If I don't get those, th- those last three things. They might not necessarily be the three things I need to get done the next day. Maybe those are kind of minor things that I have two weeks to get done, right? And then I, you know, the next important thing I'm a big I'm a big list guy and that helps me kind of keep on task. And part of that probably obsessive compulsive uh, piece of me. Um, I bought a sauna three years ago mm. and like an infrared sauna. Some for the you know, the health benefits of near, far, and near the infrared. Right? But really, I just wanted a place to go that I could get a little bit of like, peace and quiet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I married one kid. I couldn't imagine if I had three kids <laughs> or four kids. In my family growing up, we had five kids around. You know um so it's a good place that i could go it's quiet I'm sweaty uh, i can just do a podcast or i'll read in there um sometimes i'll find like a meditation like five to ten minute just kind of mindfulness exercise i'm not good at daily journaling or gratitude i'm good at that but i don't have like a daily thing like i write some notes and i, I read all these things i've tried some of them Some of them I could do like a day or two days. I did read the daily stoic every day for 365 days. So that was kind of every day, kind of reading that and staying on task there. Um, The one thing I do, I'm continuing to do now, just as a simple habit of when I wake up, not just getting out of bed and touching my phone or brushing my teeth or seeing what's going on, but I just kind of lay in bed, take a couple of deep breaths, like breathe in my nose six seconds hold it for six seconds exhale for six seconds and i'll kind of like go just as like a little start to my day I'm like okay this doesn't have to be chaos i don't have to respond or react to all the bullshit that's going to come the second i check my emails right. so i think like those things i've gotten better and better and better at i think partially it was my my daughter making me just a more patient human being but the other thing is you know some some tools that i could control my day and that it's gonna kind of run me forever you know so that's why like i feel list is important and that time that i get to spend in the sauna because i'm not answering my phone like that's 45 minutes hey, I'm, not, I'm not tied to something that's gonna change how i'm kind of feeling so those were, like I'd say the last two years definitely 2020 homeschooling my daughter for for the end of 2019 whatever, whatever year it was 2020 oh, they're all melting yeah, yeah yeah no. yeah yeah so whatever that time was that that happened um fortunately this was she just finished her first week back at school so that's fantastic but yeah we just um and then now like everything is just like super turbo charge we talked before about like just what's happened and what's going on in, in, in on the planet. So I feel like just good to take a step back and every once in a while I realize like even if I live to a hundred, that's like the blip on a radar of whatever else is out there. And nobody's gonna miss me after a couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, my daughter will be sad, but then like the next people are coming through.
1: Kind of life goes on.
0: Yeah. 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 Like, you know. That's the circle, of like you know, yeah. one life is too many. I, I I agree, but if nobody died, then none of us would be here, you know. And realizing that sometimes when I'm getting a little bit overwhelmed and I'm ready, to like fire off my mouth at somebody, that I should like step back. And just
1: yeah. So taking a little bit more of a stoic approach to, yeah. And I really like how you don't start your day in your phone. This is something I've done too. Is you don't. You don't let those outside things come into your into your life until you've had some time to really center and ground ground yourself at the good. And and yeah. the other one is if like you created your own little uh, little getaway. Like, you know, it's yeah. sauna, which just makes so much sense. And I think those are really good tips for any entrepreneur. Like you gotta have you gotta be grounded before you really step into the fire for the day and actually control how you respond. And how, and and I love the thinking, like, I'm just a blip, like this is, it's really not that significant. So I don't need to get upset. So many things we could learn from there. So last question, I always ask other than you sharing with us a little bit more about your businesses. uh, This is a big question. So if you go back in time and share one piece of advice with yourself, what would it be?
0: Yeah. You know, um, I didn't admit was something I've been repeating over and over, A lot in the last couple of years, and it's really helped me um, in probably all aspects, like every aspect of it all. So, I wish somebody told me that no matter what you do, or what you're doing, or where you're working, or how much money you got, or how many people you know, or how great everybody tells you you are, is that there are always going to be problems, Mm. right? They say like oh death and taxes are the two things like yeah sure but like, there's always problems i don't care tra- like, i'm always expecting problems so i feel like if i always expect problems i don't ever have expectations of how something's going to be you know like i'm not going to be the one anymore that my steak comes out overcooked and i'm gonna, like lose it all- I'm like hey this is can i just wait till you, you know that's different. But I'm not going to like yell and not take the guy and never go back to this place. Like, oh, it happens. I mean, I, right. I I've done before. All right. Traffic. Somebody quit the gym. Staff member lied and did something that they shouldn't have done. My daughter, who knows? Right. Like, um, so I feel like if, if, I'm, if I'm always expecting problems to be there, especially from a from like a business perspective was super helpful You know it was when I meet and talk to other people that are CEOs or founders of you know 10 million 50 million 500 million dollar companies they're like and we sit down and we're talking like and they're complaining about problems I was like oh okay so so I same. it doesn't You're, go away you <laughs> my my thousand dollar problem is there a ten dollar problem when I have a fifty thousand dollar problem it's a five million dollar problem for them. But it's still it's still a problem. Yeah. Right? Whether that kid, family, life, business, whatever. Um, yeah, if somebody would told me that, I'd probably be less obsessive, less compulsive, less type of personality. I, I would have had a lot less stress for like a decade of my life And I was like really up, to, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. I mean, definitely something I could have used. Uh, early on too because uh, kind of maybe a little similar in the way to respond to things and uh, all right Brian it's been awesome talking to you if somebody's in North Carolina where are you and and, and share your your businesses yep. and you can, you can plug your wife's business too because she's quite the entrepreneur
0: yeah so, um, so my, my email would be uh at live uh, we're in a southwest southeast suburbs of uh, charlotte and uh my emails there our website is www.liveactiveclt.com so there will be a bunch of information about us and my contact information i don't have instagram or live a business instagram but i don't have anything personal there linkedin no I'm about my wife's business what she does is um she sources and delivers organic produce all over greater charlotte so they bring it in, they pick it. Essentially, they're, you know, they're little slogan to themselves. If you wouldn't put it in your basket at, at Publix or something, they're not going to put it in your hmm. delivery to kind of get to them. Um, all, all organic produce, uh, fruits, vegetables, and they have a couple other lines of like dips and some local pro, uh, protein, local uh, peanut butters, nut butters, honeys, those kind of things. That's a farm Farm Fresh Carolinas. Hers. her name is Lisa she's been doing that for uh four years you know and COVID and everybody's kind of staying home really you know took a,
1: that's took probably off, yeah?
0: to be here. I mean we were we were closed for about 115 days in the doctor's office and I was I was over there working with her yeah and we had to buy you know buy another cooler buying a lot of stuff so it's, it's it's been exciting and stressful times but um Thank you. Yeah, it's good. I wouldn't imagine if I had to. I'd still be stress working for somebody else. Yeah, and have no and have no control over it. So I'm <laughs> super happy at where we are and uh, ready for ready for more.
1: Right on. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I Really appreciate it, Brian. Glad you came on the show.
0: Yeah, thanks, Pat. <laughs>